The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hill knows that when we eat well, we live well. When we live well, we have rich, vibrant lives. By focusing our eating on properly prepared, nutrient-dense whole foods, Kelly Hill teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Now here's your host, Kelly Hill. Welcome to Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Obviously, we talk about eating well in order to live well on this show. Uh, The name just says it all right there. But when we think about eating well, I, I constantly remind you that about eating nutrient-dense whole foods. We, we've talked about fresh fruits and vegetables as well as grass-fed, pastured animals. But how do we get these foods? And I'm not talking from the grocery store, farmer's market, community-supported agriculture, or even your own garden. I mean, what really makes these vital foods possible? That's today's answer with our guest all about bees. Today's guest has that answer. It's bees. Sarah Red Laird is the founder and executive director of the nonprofit organization Bee Girl. The Bee Girl mission is to preserve honeybees, beekeepers, and food resources by providing outreach, education, support, and mentorship for beekeepers and communities. Their mission is accomplished through community classes, events, public lectures, the Kids and Bees program, and university programs. Sarah's the national director of the Kids and Bees program for the American Beekeeping Federation. She states that people should care about bees if they like to eat food, which my listeners and I definitely do. So I asked Sarah to join us today so we can all better understand the role of bees in our food chain and what we can do to help ensure their survival. Joining us today is Sarah Redlaird, the bee girl. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really excited to be here today. Well, this is fun. This is a little bit of a departure, but I was so surprised how much it actually comes full circle right back to what we're always talking about, eating well in order to live well. So it's very exciting. Uh, So let's just get right into your history. How did you become a beekeeper? I guess I didn't really have a choice. (laughs) I feel like I was just born this way. (laughs) There's just really been nothing else that has been able to really captivate me or um, hold my attention for very long besides honeybees. When I was um, about three years old, three, four, right around there, I had my first couple experiences with honeybees. One was getting stung, which is um, my first bee sting. I think almost everybody will remember their first bee sting sure. their whole entire lives. <laughs> and um, and then second was uh, um, my aunt actually lived in a community out in the woods on a farm that had bees and in, in hives and a beekeeper that tended them. And I was absolutely fascinated with the beehives and absolutely fascinated with the beekeeper and once I got to taste fresh honeycomb right out of the hive, I was I was sold and just had this really strong affinity um, for honeybees my whole life and um, decided um, 
to do them as a research project when I was in college at the University of Montana in Missoula. And I was just in the right place at the right time and was able to work with Professor Jerry Bromenshank on some of his research and um, in, and got to work as a beekeeper, not only a researcher, but as a beekeeper in, in the university apiary and have been doing bees full time ever since. Wow. I, you know, it's so funny. You don't think of, you know, a kid, he asked kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, I, I don't know how often you'd hear beekeeper, but that's exciting. Yeah. So why are bees important? I mean, I know that's a big question, but give us the top top reasons. um, Bees are important because they feed us. Um, Bees pollinate over 90 crops in the United States alone. They um, make possible one out of every three bites of food that you eat or foods that you drink. And they also pollinate a lot of the forbs that are among the grasses of cows. And so they they also make possible hamburgers and milkshakes and ice cream. Um, and, uh, and they also not only pollinate our food, our native bees are doing their great work out in the, out in the forest and in our fields and in our wild areas, pollinating um, flowers for us to look at and enjoy, as well as um, those, those flowers will become food seeds, which will become food for other animals like songbirds and all the way up to grizzly bears, which will eat the berries. So almost everything we eat and almost everything that we eat, eats, all of that has a direct relationship to the bees then? Yeah, well, 86% of plants require a pollinator to move pollen, at least 86%. Wow. And so, yeah, the bee is really a symbol for interconnectedness. It, um, I think, connects us all to um, to our food and also to our wild areas and makes possible the landscape that we look out at, no matter if that is a city or a town or a farm or um, taking a walk in the woods. So I have to ask, how do the other whatever that is, 14% of plants get pollinated? Wind. Oh, wind. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so that's our, our um, the corn, the oats, the rice, um, and then also some things like grapes are self-pollinating. But even our self-pollinating foods do a lot better if they have bees and other beneficial insects around because they... Say um, you have wine grapes, which are self-pollinating, but then you have a buffer strip of um, flowers and forbs and shrubs that you don't mow and you don't spray and you just kind of let live there. And so it will flower. Bees will come in and pollinate those flowers. And then in those flowers live a bunch of other beneficial insects like aphids and leaf swings and things that will come in and eat the bad bugs that are eating your wine grapes, which will, in effect, reduce your spending on pesticides and also reduce our food from being sprayed. And so, yeah, it really um, comes back again to just interconnectedness and, um, and a holistic system based on the service that a bee provides. That's amazing. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing the importance of bees to our food with the help of uh, Sarah Red Laird. 
founder of the Bee Girl organization. Find more information at beegirl.org. Help bees survive by eating only grass-fed meats. Try it for free for with a $75 gift certificate gift certificate from U.S. Wellness Meats. Enter to win at therightnutritionplan.com. Use the giveaway links on the right-hand side. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for free weekly nutrition tips. Again, all that's at therightnutritionplan.com. Now, what happens if, let's say, a fruit tree, for instance, doesn't get pollinated by bees? Will fruit even occur then? It will. It just won't really have the... um, It won't develop as well as it would if it did have a pollinator. And so you'll get a lot less fruit. So say I have an apple tree and there were no bees anywhere near the apple tree and it wasn't able to get pollination. So my apple tree would have quite a bit less fruit in the first place because a lot of that pollen wouldn't fall down or blow down onto the other flowers from flower to flower to flower. And so you'd have um, a lot of just empty branches. And then the ones that did get pollinated probably wouldn't get the amount of pollen they need. So the male pollen um, would not go to the female parts of the other flowers to fertilize those flowers. So you would just have a whole lot less seeds. And the fruit would probably also be a lot smaller, um, a little lopsided, (laughs) wouldn't look so good. And so um, in a world without bees doing our pollination for us, there would just be less food and um, there would be um, less seeds to make less food. And so it would just be a cycle that would keep going, 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 and there'd be less and less and less and less of food that was propagated every year. Is it true that all the working bees we see in our gardens and parks and stuff, are those all really females? True story. <laughs> so the bees that are out there working the flowers are are the worker bees, and those are female. Inside a honeybee hive, it's um, 99.9% females. And there are males. Those are drones, and they have a different job. <laughs> they also work, but their their work is just to go out and meet with the queen. And in um, the native bee world, you will see... Um, uh, male bees, like a male bumblebee or a male squash bee hanging out on flowers, but they're not necessarily pollinating those flowers. They're mostly just kind of hanging out, waiting for a lady to come by <laughs> so, uh, so they can do their like, business and then and then they can move on. <laughs> I won't even comment on male-female relationships there. So, um, now, I read somewhere that bees can be trained. Is that true? Yeah, they absolutely can. That was part of my um, the projects that I worked on when I was at the University of Montana was um, we literally would raise bomb-sniffing bees. <laughs> you can, they're just like, um, just like a little dog. You can give them a treat and um, they will do what you ask of them. So um, they, uh, they're some of the hardest working bees on the planet and they work for food and they work for food to bring back to the hive to raise big, healthy sisters and and brothers, few brothers too, of course. And so um, it's just like the Pavlov's dog syndrome or classical conditioning. Um, you give them um, some sort of a scent, which means something, and then um, and then give a reward, so a sugar water syrup right afterwards. And so they associate whatever that scent is, so say an explosive 
CNT in this case would be the explosive scent that you would place next to a sugar water feeder. And then you take away that sugar water feeder and place them in an area where there would be an explosive or whatever you're looking for. Um, they can also be trained to sniff cadavers. They can be trained to sniff um, certain kinds of drugs, and they will find them. Wow. And you can track the bees as to where they're going. And, uh, and yeah. So if you think about it, it's amazing. Bees can smell two trillion, two parts per trillion, which is really, really, really good sniffers, a lot better than a dog. And it's really fast. It takes years to train a dog and a human to find landmines where you can, if you're good, you can train a bee to find landmines in about 10 to 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the costs not only financially but time-wise and then also loss of life are um, really quite differing looking at this, this bee project that could potentially have a great impact um, and do a, a great service. Wow. We've been discussing the importance to our health of bees, and, and now I'm going to say that our, our whole society, that's crazy, with Sarah Redlair, founder of the Bee Girl Organization. You can find more information at beegirl.com. On her website, you can watch a great video with more information, find a list of upcoming classes and events, and an online store. All this information is at beegirl.org. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter or Facebook at The Right Plan or email me at eatwelltolivewell at The Right Plan. Don't forget you can catch this show at your convenience by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com, where you can also try membership for just a dollar and receive nutrition coaching through weekly cooking videos, recipes, articles, forums, as well as Q&A support, or just sign up to receive free weekly nutrition tips. We'll be right back to continue this discussion about the importance of bees. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Want energy all day? Ready to lose fat without feeling deprived? Tired of complicated weight loss programs? Wish there was a way to lose weight without processed and unnatural food? It's time to jumpstart your metabolism in a healthy way, the Kelly Hill way. This easy-to-follow two-week fat loss program has a 100% success rate to date. It creates and maintains overall health while reducing fat. You'll have more energy, think clearer, feel better, and have lost fat. All while following the two-week menu plan of simple recipes that use real, natural food and include healthy tips for every meal. The two-week fat loss program is a clear, easy-to-follow plan that will help anyone get back on the road to optimal health. Order the Right Plan Nutritional Counseling two-week fat loss program today at therightnutritionplan.com slash book. Cleanse and detoxify your body. 28 Days to Better Health Using Nutrient-Dense Whole Foods is the hot new book written by Kelly Hill. We're inundated daily with toxic compounds in our food, water, air, even our own metabolic process. In this new book, Kelly leads us on that 28-day journey to better health using real, natural food. Experience with over 60 recipes to choose from. This is a cleanse that won't leave you bored. And while your taste buds are happy, you'll benefit from increased energy levels, an improved digestive system, a decrease in food sensitivities and cravings, minimizing aches, pains, and allergies. Begin your 28-day journey to better health and nutrition today by ordering your copy of Cleanse and Detoxify Your Body at therightnutritionplan.com book. 
everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Rightplannutrition.com slash book. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. If you have a question for Kelly, you can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now let's get back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today we're talking about the connection between bees and our health with Sarah Redlard, founder of Bee Girl Organization. You can find all her information at beegirl.org. Follow her on Facebook at Bee Girl or on Twitter at Sarah Bee Girl, and that's S-A-R-A-H, Bee Girl. So now I think most of us know by now that the honeybee population has been in decline. Why is this happening and, and what are the potential effects of this? Yeah, this is um, definitely, um, bees are famous these days. Um, bees are on the cover of Time Magazine. Bees are in the New York Times. Bees are constantly in the um, the Chronicle in San Francisco and the LA Times. And um, it's, um, bees are definitely, every year we are facing massive losses. So many honeybee colonies collapse. So many honeybees die. And, you know, it really is kind of a perfect storm over and over again. Um, and that is kind of working against the honeybees. And it's become um, an issue where beekeepers are expected to make up these losses every year. And so um, about 30% of our honeybee colonies die off every winter, and then in the spring, beekeepers, the pressure is on them to split their hives and to feed, 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 and make sure they're big and fat and happy so they can um, have more bees ready for pollination. And um, and also, there's a huge demand right now for small-scale and backyard beekeepers, which is great. And so, the um, the populations of bees in this country are... Um, they hold steady for a certain part of the year, especially with the explosion of backyard beekeeping. But then we're constantly having these massive losses um, from bees that just aren't healthy enough to be able to make it through the winter. And then also um, big kill events, like there is just a um, a massive bee poisoning um, coming out of the almonds in the spring in California, which was so sad and very unfortunate. Um, It's basically just the the bees are a mirror of us and our practices and what we're doing. And, you know, I don't, I don't really think that we can say, oh, it's this one pesticide. And if you get rid of this one pesticide, then the bees will be fine because it's more about how, what we're doing and how we're living every single day. And it comes down to how we're eating. And we vote with our fork every day on um, how we want our land managed and what, um, what, how we are telling our farmers, how to feed us and how to manage our land and how to manage our farms. And so um, there is a huge demand right now for small-scale and organic farming, but it still makes up only 5% of the food that is eaten in the United States, and we need more of that. We need more sustainable agriculture. So basically coming back to it is um, the bees are having a hard time because of, number one, the varroa mite which is this terrible little pest that came in on the backs of bees that were imported 
to pollinate our food back in the 80s um, from Southeast Asia. And it's this little mite that lives on the bee itself, and they chew holes in the bees and suck their blood out. And then they also are, they're almost like a dirty needle. (laughs) They are the vectors of at least two dozen different pathogens, if not more. And if a bee is not healthy and if a bee is living on an artificial diet, it's even that much harder for the bee to be able to um, combat and fight off not only the rural mind itself, but all the diseases that it can bring in. Um, Another thing is climate change. With our really extreme weather, it's really hard on bees and beekeepers um, to kind of deal with the erratic weather that's been throwing at us. Like, I live in Southern Oregon. We had some of the coldest weather on record this winter, which we just were completely not prepared for. And then we also had some of the hottest and um, and heat for the longest amount of time um, on record, as well as record forest fires <laughs> the uh-huh. summer before. And so our plants were stressed and our bees were stressed. Um, number three is... Um, just kind of unsustainable farming practices, um, farming in a large monoculture with lots of inputs, so pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, all sorts of sides in this, um, in order to, to farm on a very large scale, um, uh, mono, monocrop scale, oftentimes those systems are managed um, on they're managed on a system of death instead of a system on life. It's more about um, killing the er killing the weeds, killing the pests instead of working with the weeds or working with the bugs. Um, and then also habitat loss. Habitat loss is a huge problem, and to me, habitat loss is the number one problem that we're facing as beekeepers for honeybees. Um, of honeybees in the United States are brought up to the Midwest to have some respite from pollinating all of our crops for us that are inundated with a bunch of different agricultural chemicals. And they get to go up to the Midwest, and it's like going to the spa (laughs) when they get to visit the host of forbs that are out in the grasslands and the prairie. They get to eat good, natural, healthy food and um, enjoy some... Um, not too hot, not too cold weather, and it's just it's it's historically been a really healthy place for our girls to go. And um, ever since ethanol became a hot commodity, um, corn and soy has been taking over the landscape in the Midwest. In fact, mm-hmm. since 2006, from now 2006 until now, we've lost 1.5 million acres of wild prairie in just North and South Dakota and Nebraska which is a lot of food out of a bee's mouth. And so um, it just makes it when they don't have that natural food and when that natural good, there's nothing on earth that can compare with flower nectar and flower pollen coming into the beehive to keep our bees healthy. And when that's replaced with corn syrup and soy protein patties, ironically, (laughs) it's just the bees just aren't healthy and they don't do well. They don't overwinter and they can't fight. They can't fight the other maladies that come at them. Well, we should be paying a little more attention to that with our own people, but um, I, I won't go off on a tangent there. If you're, ju- <laughs> if you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing the importance of bees to our diets and at the exact moment, the decline in the honeybee population with Sarah Redlaird 
founder of the B-Girl organization. Visit the website at bgirl.org for more information, including a very informative video, articles, and beekeeping activities. You can also connect with her on Facebook at B-Girl or Twitter at B-Girl. Sarah B. Girl. If you missed any part of the show, download the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. And of course, don't forget to enter this month's exciting giveaway from U.S. Wellness Meats, a $75 gift certificate. Enter to win at therightnutritionplan.com. Just click on the giveaway link on the right-hand side. Now, part of your mission states that it's to preserve food resources something we talk about all the time here on Eat Well to Live Well, but I I didn't expect to see that from a beekeeper, truthfully. Can you explain that statement a little better? Yeah. um, Well, food um, and the food on our plates is really, it's, um, it's, uh, we're very connected to the food system as beekeepers. That's um, my dear friend and mentor, John Miller, says that he is the gatekeeper of the food system as a beekeeper. And um, if we didn't have beekeepers and we didn't have our honeybees, our plates would look a lot different. We would be eating a lot of oatmeal. We'd be eating a lot of white rice. Um, And... uh, we would um our the the bright colors and the nutrition and the minerals and the healthy fats would disappear from our plates and so being a beekeeper you're constantly thinking about about the food supply and about food resources and also being a beekeeper and um having our primary jobs being to pollinate food and to have our our bees near crops we're also um constantly thinking about what are they spraying out there and how is that going to affect my bees Yeah. I understand you're working on an initiative to help farmers and other land managers help our bees through conserving bee habitat and planting bee forage. Can you tell us more about why this is important and how you're working on that? Yeah. So um, uh, the Bee Girl organization is coming at it from a couple of different angles, but um, basically the, the main mission of what we have in the works is working with land managers to farm the best and conserve the rest, which is my favorite idiom um, at, this, at this point in time. I and like it. it is possible to farm on a large scale. It is completely possible. Like the urban farming movement is awesome. Rooftop gardens, rooftop beehives are awesome. I love that movement. I want to see it go as far as it can possibly go. I want farming here on a small scale in Southern Oregon to be preserved in perpetuity. Um, But um, rooftop gardens aren't going to feed 7 billion mouths. That's just a fact. But we can totally farm sustainably on a large scale. We can totally have bee-friendly farms on a large scale with um, monitoring before spraying, with having buffer strips that are pollinator-friendly in between rows, just kind of moving away from the way of farming um, that is um, fence row to fence row. And instead, like I said, farming on a system that's based on life instead of a system that's based on death and really working um, with the plants and working with the weeds, quote-unquote weeds, and working with the quote-unquote pests that are around um, instead of against them, I think, is a way that we really need to go. And so 
Um, so yeah, we are just um, we're working on putting together initiatives and programs for growers not only to be educated as to um, as to why their farms can be even better if they were to farm the best and conserve the rest, but also to create some sort of financial incentives for them because. Farmers have to eat too, <laughs> and they sure. need to pay their mortgages, and they need um, to fix their farm equipment and make sure that they can run their businesses. And so, um, yeah, they they need they need to um, to to be able to to afford the standard of life that they need, like anybody else. And so, I really want to see conservation be worth as much or more as planting corn. I would like to see our government subsidizing conserving your land in perpetuity instead of tearing it upside down and planting corn seeds, which is um, what we're doing right now. So um, so our initiatives kind of strive to um, not only work with the, with the farmers on the educational level, but also try and um, move policy in this country towards a system that appreciates and celebrates conservation and um and and we'll pay for that we'll compensate for that as well like why why can't we be compensating our farmers for doing something good um and um and building a system that is going to last for a very long time instead of a system that is beginning to collapse in on itself right now absolutely the quality of our food is one of the most important pieces to finding optimal health and that quality may be in jeopardy if we aren't paying attention to the fate of our bee population thankfully sarah redlard founder of the e-girl organization is educating people including us today about this very important topic of bees we'll continue getting more great information from sarah after the break learn more at beegirl.org you're listening to eat well to live well with me your host kelly hill You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Better than an apple a day? An online membership to the right plan. With an on-the-go lifestyle, it can be hard to make our nutrition a priority. Kelly Hill was there. That's why the Right Plan Nutrition online membership was formed. Over the years, Kelly's worked on solutions that can make health and nutrition decisions easier, saving time and money. Find hundreds of fun, fast, exciting, healthy recipes for the family that everyone will love. A new recipe with video tutorial each month so you fully understand how to make what are sure to become your family's favorite foods. Great research done biased articles on nutrition, encouragement through the success stories of others, weekly support emails to help you continue reaching your goals, and so much more. Membership has its benefits. And with the Right Play Nutrition Online membership, the benefit is more time to spend with a healthier you and healthier family. Become a member today at therightnutritionplan.com slash membership. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and right plan. RightNutritionPlan.com Not only can you learn about new and fascinating nutritional products at TheRightNutritionPlan.com, but you can win them too. Every month, The Right Plan features a nutritional or innovative product, like the ECO Lunchbox, pumpkin seed butter and pumpkin protein powder, fudge sauce from Wax Orchards, Zorba's handcrafted raw chocolates, coconut oil, and so much more. And every month, one lucky visitor will win the product to try themselves. It's easy to enter. Just visit therightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. After you've entered the giveaway, check out some of Kelly's delicious recipes that not only will please your taste buds, but your waistline and health as well. 
At therightnutritionplan.com, you'll learn more about all the wonderful nutritious options that are available to you and your family. Remember, everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose in the right plan. Rightnutritionplan.com slash giveaway. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. This is Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. Have a question for Kelly? You can email her at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Now back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. We continue our discussion about the importance of bees to our health with Sarah Red Laird, founder of the Bee Girl Organization. Find more information at beegirl.org or connect with her on Facebook at Bee Girl or on Twitter at Sarah Bee Girl. Okay, you have a program called Kids and Bees. Uh, what is that? I mean, aren't kids scared of bees? <laughs> um, some of them are, yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's one of the reasons that I love doing kids and bees programs because it's awesome. Usually the kids that are, um, the, the most fearful when you first walk into the room are the ones that you just can't pull away from the observational beehive at the end and just become completely fascinated and completely taken by the bees. So, um, the kids and bees program is something that, um, I work on at a, a local, a regional and national and an international level. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I do anything from, um, I basically um, have a, a, a standard program that we run and um, I visit schools and talk about honeybees. And um, um, it's really in, in engaging. And um, the first half of the program is um, me engaging with the kids and asking them some some kind of trivia questions about what they might know about the bees and then um and I surprise them with some really fun facts and then um I take their questions and they can ask me any question that they can think of that that they they want to know about the bees and I can um provide them with information and kids come up with the greatest questions. I absolutely love the Q&A when it, when it comes to um, me because they stump me oftentimes or they think of things in ways that I just wouldn't have think of. So I learned so much from doing the Kids and Bees program. And then we break into um, to small groups and they go and do activities. So that's when they get a chance to see honeybees up close and to smell beehives and to touch beeswax and roll beeswax candle and taste honey and taste honeybee pollen, honeybee collected pollen, and really get to use all of their senses to become engaged with, with the honeybee hive and with honeybees in the world of honeybees. And um, I've done this on scales of kids that are 10 students in a schoolhouse in the middle of the woods all the way up to um, conventions or symposiums that have thousands of kids that come through over multiple days. And so, um, yeah, on every scale. And so far this year, I've um, done a lot of work um, regionally here in Southern Oregon. I just got back from Eugene, Oregon, where I was up for Glory Bees Bee Weekend. Um, I'll be doing a program in Portland later this summer. And I've also been um, to Wales and the UK um, doing kids stuff 
um, partnering with the International Bee Research Association's Bee World Project. Um, I was in Long Island, New York, doing a program, uh, I think, the week before last. Um, I've been up to North Dakota as part of the um, North Dakota Honey Producers Association, doing outreach for kids there. Um, I was brought by Pheasants Forever, who are habitat partners of ours that we're working with, to Pheasant Fest in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then um, as part of my job with the American Beekeeping Federation, I was down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana earlier this year as well. So, And I've got lots more plans coming up for travel and for, for kids' programs. So it's just so important to engage with our kids, engage with the next generation, and um, really kind of plant a seed for them understanding bees. And um, I don't even really get into um, collapsing colonies and that the bees are in trouble. It's more just pre- creating a a, um, a a magical world in their head that's full of wonder around the bees and how amazing they are and how wonderful they are and how how positive they are and how how great it is to have them in our lives. And so I hopefully am just establishing this connection of of appreciation and love between the honeybees and the kids. And then they can take with that what they want, whether that's being a um, a beekeeper themselves or um, being a consumer of good, sustainably harvested food or being a principal at an elementary school that advocates Kate for having um, a school garden and honeybees on campus. So um, hopefully I'm just doing doing what I can to plant seeds here, there, and everywhere for a for a bee-friendly world in the future. What about us older kids? Do you have a program <laughs> to help us learn too? Because truthfully, I'm a little scared of bees. I do. I do so much public speaking um, as well. So, um, yeah, I am constantly out in the community um, and traveling and doing um, talks to to groups and keynote speeches at conventions and all sorts of stuff. Just um, talking about the the wide world of honeybees and how amazing they are and how um, how not to be not to be fearful, but to be fascinated. <laughs> And that information is all on your website, correct? My website, yep. Okay, great. If you're just under joining the us learn to, tab. under the Learn tab, there I probably could need to focus more on that one. If you're just joining us today on Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill, we're discussing the importance of bees with Sarah Red Laird, founder of the Bee Girl organization. Find out more at beegirl.org or on Facebook at Bee Girl or Twitter at Sarah Bee Girl. Remember, you can hear this show or past episodes anywhere. That means you can listen while you're at the gym, driving around before bed anytime by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com, where you can also enter to be the lucky winner of a great freebie each month. This month, The Right Plan is featuring a $75 gift certificate from U.S. Wellness Meats. Enter at therightnutritionplan.com by clicking the giveaway link on the right-hand side. Now, I promised my son, he made me swear that I would ask you this question. So, for the record, he's eight, by the way. So, <laughs> um, obviously, he's the age to have watched DreamWorks, the bee movie. He wanted to know if the smoke harmed the bees since it's bad for humans to smoke. 
That is a great question, and I get um, I get B movie questions all the time. Which well, that's I good am, to know. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that kids are watching that movie and are getting super excited about the bees and inquisitive about the bees from that movie. But um, no, it's not. It's really not that bad for the bees. It's you use a very small amount of smoke, so you just barely dust the hive with smoke. And what it actually does is give the bees the impression that there's a forest fire nearby. And so um, they want to start eating honey and in case they've got a pack-up shop and get the heck out of Dodge. So um, if the fire gets close enough to burn their hive down, they will abscond, is what it's called, and with full tummies full of honey um, and the queen, and then they will go and set up um, home somewhere else in a tree that they find or, or, or another hive or something. But, so they just kind of start preparing for that. And so while they're gorging themselves on honey, they're just so busy doing that that they're not paying attention to whatever I'm doing. And so I use smoke when I go into a honey beehive to just make sure the queen is in there and she's laying and she's healthy, make sure that there's not a varroa mite issue, make sure they have enough food, make sure that the babies are healthy. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of do an overall health inspection of the hive. And so while I'm doing that, they're so busy eating honey and then going into a food coma that they don't mm. even realize that I'm in there and what I'm doing. And so, and so the, the bee, um, the smoke is more, it's a very light amount of smoke and it's just to kind of, um, just to kind of keep them busy while I'm doing what I need to do. And it, they, they, uh, as long as you don't over smoke the hive, it's not bad for them at all. Got it. And it's so this was his other question. Uh, how many times have you been stung? How many times have I been stung? This week? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He didn't specify that. He just said, I want to know how many times she's been stung. I said, okay, I'll ask. Uh, mm, so far this week, about five. So times that by <laughs> however many uh, weeks are in B season. Um it just kind of it. Uh, if I was to wear a suit and gloves from head to toe, which I um, do, if I'm doing any any beekeeping that's um, a bit more kind of um, advanced or fast paced, I don't get stung at all. So it's totally possible to be a beekeeper and not get stung. Um, the majority of the times that I'm out with my bees and I'm just wearing a um, jeans and a t-shirt and a veil, I don't get stung at all. But um, Sometimes I do. Sometimes I'll just, it usually is when I accidentally squish a bee with my finger when I'm handling um, frames of honey or frames of bees inside a beehive. Um, 100% of the time, that's when I get stung. I never get stung outside of the beehive. If I'm not doing anything to rile them up or mess with them, I never get stung. I'm around bees all the time. Um, They're in my truck. They're on me. They're on the flowers around where I am, they're on the farms. And um, as long as I'm not messing with them, I don't get stung at all. Catching swarms, I never get stung. It's just, it's uh, it's kind of, um, it's like being a carpenter and sometimes you just hit your thumb, your, your hammer with, your thumb with the hammer. It's kind of part of the job to just get stung every once in a while, but it's never the bee's fault. It's something that I did to make them mad. So it's it's always, every time I get stung, I'm, I never am mad. Um, or angry, I'm more, I feel bad because when it's a bee sting, she loses her life. And then I'm also thankful for the lesson because that bee has shown me like how not to do something the next time. So how not to handle that frame or where not to put my finger or what not to do. Perfect. 
We have to take a short break. We've been talking with Sarah Red Laird, founder of the Bee Girl Organization. You can find more information at beegirl.org or connect with her on Facebook at Bee Girl or on Twitter at Sarah Bee Girl. Catch this entire show as well as past episodes by downloading the free MP3 from iTunes or listening on my website, therightnutritionplan.com, where for just a dollar you'll receive nutrition coaching through weekly cooking videos, recipes, articles, forums, as well as Q&A support. Or just sign up to receive free weekly nutrition tips. I just launched a free webinar called The Three Common Myths That Are Keeping You Overweight, Exhausted, and Unable to Reach Your Goal. It's on my website. It's free, and it'll help you understand why and how to start eating these nutrient-dense whole foods that we've been talking about that will help encourage a larger bee population. Check it all out at therightnutritionplan.com. We'll be right back to continue this discussion about the health impact of bees with Sarah Red Laird. You're listening to Eat Well to Live Well with me, your host, Kelly Hill. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Here is your opportunity to create a vibrant new you. Join international radio talk show host Kelly Hill and women's natural health coach Michelle Greenman at the Vibrant New You Retreat. This retreat will empower you to make the changes you've been searching for and help lay in the foundation for living the life you want to live, the vibrant you. Located at the beautiful Ashland Springs Resort in Ashland, Oregon, this retreat will help you create a vibrant life by first constructing your perfect plan and setting your vision and creating accountability for yourself. Kelly and Michelle will help you conquer negative self-talk, find positive motivation, and teach you how to create more vibrancy in your life. The Lithia Ashland Springs Resort offers its guests free breakfast each morning, natural mineral waters with soaking tubs, and so much more. For more information about the Vibrant New You Retreat, visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat. This wonderful opportunity is only offered to a limited number of people. So visit therightnutritionplan.com slash retreat to reserve your seat today. Want to know the three biggest myths that keep you overweight? Well, now you can in Kelly Hill's free webinar. In just 40 minutes, you'll learn the three biggest nutrition myths that are keeping you overweight, feeling exhausted, and unable to reach your personal goals. The webinar is free, and you'll even get other great freebies that Kelly's clients use daily to reach their goals. It's easy. Visit therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar. That's therightnutritionplan.com slash webinar and sign up. 40 minutes that can change your life and help you find your optimal health. Sign up for the webinar and take the unprocessed challenge today to find the you that you know is there. Everything has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Sign up for Kelly's free webinar today. TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. That's TheRightNutritionPlan.com slash webinar. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're tuned in to Eat Well to Live Well with your host, Kelly Hill. You can connect with the show by emailing Kelly at eatwelltolivewell at therightnutritionplan.com. Follow Kelly on Twitter at The Right Plan. Now back to Kelly Hill. Welcome back as we continue at Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. I'm your host, Kelly Hill. Today we've been talking about bees, why they're important, thanks to the help of Sarah 
Red Laird, founder of the Bee Girl Organization. Find great information on her website, beegirl.org, or connect with her on Facebook at Bee Girl and Twitter at Sarah Bee Girl. Lots of great information out there to, to pick up. So can people outside of your immediate area get the same information and assistance by going to your website? Yeah, um, my website has quite a bit of information on it, for sure. It's a great resource for um, for learning about bees and learning about what's going on with bees and how you can be a part of um, helping our bees out. Um, and then also, anybody um, out there listening that's not anywhere near me, find a beekeepers association. There are amazing resources out there. I, in my travel, I get to hang out with beekeepers all the time and I am constantly impressed and inspired by just the level of knowledge and how big these people's hearts are. Like, oh my gosh, I absolutely love my bees so much, but the community of beekeepers that is in this country, I am beginning to love equally as much. They are amazing, and they're such great people to connect with. And so anybody can, um, there's uh, a link, I believe, on my resources tab that has a link to finding a, a um, beekeepers association near you. And, yeah, go take a beekeeping class or um, find out if they're tabling at a, a fair coming up. Or really, um, I encourage everyone to get to know the beekeepers in their community because, um it's just such a, a fascinating and, and wonderful group of people. So how can listeners have an impact from your perspective? How can listeners have an impact? All right. I will give you my top three ways to save the bees. <laughs> okay. Um, number one is definitely to support good policy. Um, again, um, putting systems in place to farm the best and conserve the rest and um, letting your policymakers know that honeybees are important to you. They're important to you as a constituent, as a voter, and you want to see more policies being put in place to protect beekeepers and to compensate landowners for com- for conservation, for planting flowers, for leaving prairie alone. Um and, uh, and do that. Be loud. Get on the phone. Um, talk to your local, regional, state, national levels. Talk to the White House. The White House wants to know that um, you care about honeybees and you want to see good policy for them. Number two is vote with your fork. Um, if you live in an area where you can support your local um, sustainable farms, do that. Like Eat as much as you possibly can from your local farmers. Go to your farmer's markets. Eat local meat. Eat less meat if you can. <laughs> um, that's a, a big um, um, unsustainably um, grown meat products are really um, corn heavy and just it's it's not it's not animal friendly. It's not people friendly way to eat food. So if you can eat less less cheap meat, that's um, that's a good thing to do. Um, and then uh, yeah, go to your farmers market, support your local farmers, join a CSA um, if you. Don't live in a community where that's possible. Try and make it happen. Just really start being the market for that. Start supporting any kind of little startups that you can find. Start asking for organic, sustainably grown food at your grocery stores. And really just, just go with your fork and um, and uh, start just start creating a, 
a market um, for that, start creating a demand for that supply. Um, and number three, plant flowers. <laughs> Everybody can plant flowers, plant flowers um, on a big and a small scale, ranches, farms, backyards, front yards, rooftops, window boxes, planters. Everybody has access to some dirt and some seeds. And um, we really could make a change tomorrow if we started planting flowers. It is awesome. The movement for backyard beekeeping is fantastic, but we need to make sure that these bees have food. And so um, going out and getting a couple hives of bees is awesome, but if you really want to have an impact in bee health, you'll plant flowers. If everyone in this country went out tomorrow and put one planter full of flowers on their front porch, you know, we would have billions and billions of flowers in a month from now, um, extra flowers. So um, on any scale, just plant flowers. Are there any flowers or plants that people can grow that help encourage the bee population or is anything fair game? Yeah, no, there definitely is. So um, plant natives if you can. Um, If you have the ability to plant trees and shrubs, those are the best because you get so much bang for the buck with those. Um, Bees love herbs. Um, they um, So having a section of your herb garden, garden that you let go to seed so it can flower. Um, they love oregano. They love thyme. They really love lavender. And all these essential oils they actually harvest and bring back to their hives to use for hive health as well. Um, on my website, again, under resources, I have um, my, my top 12 favorite flowers <laughs> for this. Oh, um, great this area um, and then and they work well in other areas too anybody can go to pollinator.org and you can download a, a guide of um, a flower list for your area um, specifically as well and so yeah there's a lot of great resources out there you can just google be friendly flowers and you can find just a variety of great resources. Stay away from the hybrids. Um, be really careful if you're buying from nurseries because oftentimes um, plant starts have been pre-treated with a pesticide. And so you really want to make sure that you have you don't have one of those in your in your um in your yard or your garden and go um, kind of counter to what we're trying to do. So, um, yeah, just be um, be informed if you're if you're buying from a nursery and make sure it's not pre-treated with a pesticide or an herbicide. And Great. Uh, yeah, get out and plant those flowers. Okay, listeners, you heard her. Support good policy. Farm the best. Conserve the rest. Vote with your fork, which we say all the time here, and plant flowers. If you need to know what's in your area, she gave you pollinator.org for a list of the best ones that you can grow right there. And um, change the world if everyone just planted a window box of flowers. Seems like a simple and easy thing for us to do. So today we've learned about the importance of bees to our communities our planet, and ultimately our health. Plus, we've gotten tips on how to help increase the bee population now from Sarah Red Laird, founder of the Bee Girl Organization. The website, beegirl.org, has more information, classes, education, resources, the Kids and Bees program, an online store, and how to support the work of Bee Girl Organization and its mission. Check it all out at beegirl.org or find her on Facebook at Bee Girl and on Twitter at Sarah Bee Girl. That's S-A-R-A-H, Bee Girl. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah, and helping us better understand the importance of bees. 
Thank you, Kelly. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, I'm always happy to chat about bees. Thank you so much. Listeners, remember you can receive nutrition tips each week for free by signing up at therightnutritionplan.com or try a membership for just a dollar and receive nutrition coaching through weekly cooking videos, recipes, articles, forums, as well as Q&A support. Or check out the new free webinar, The Three Common Myths That Are Keeping You Overweight, Exhausted, and Unable to Reach Your Goals. Don't forget... Sign up for this month's free gift certificate, uh, well, actually, our freebie from The Right Plan and U.S. Wellness Meets at therightnutritionplan.com. Every month, a new great giveaway. Just look for the quick link to giveaways on the right-hand side. Constantly lots of great free stuff on the website, therightnutritionplan.com. If you missed any part of the show, download the free MP3 from iTunes or listen on my website, therightnutritionplan.com. Join me every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. See you next week. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Live Well to Eat Well with Kelly Hill. You can listen to the program live every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Everything you eat has a purpose and a plan. Make it your purpose and the right plan. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.